I sneak out from under the covers without turning on a light. It's 4 a.m., and I figure if I get an early start, I'll have the whole day in front of me to hike. But when I head into the kitchen to fry some eggs, Richard appears, dressed and ready to drive me to one of the Superior Hiking Trail trailheads, then pick me up again in three days. Ever since the rescue in Montana, I've suffered from a bit of trail PTSD. The heat, the wrong companions, the blowdowns, they all contributed to my wildly beating heart and leaden fatigue. But it's also made me question if I have it in me to manage a backpacking trip at all, not just physically, but emotionally. Do I even want to do this anymore? Packing was a cinch, since all my gear is still sprawling on our basement floor, and I've got plenty of food still, food I meant to send forward for resupply, now waiting patiently in large plastic boxes to be consumed. The only problem is I've sent my quilt off for repair, and my raincoat kicked the bucket, so I borrow Richard's massive gear made for his six-foot-four build. The sleeping bag just lays on me anyway, and I kind of hope it doesn't rain, even if the sky is soupy the entire drive along the big lake. I'm nervous, and I prefer hanging with Richard to testing my body. I'm Simone Biles right now for three days, on a trail that's pretty easy. It's well-maintained, it's close to civilization. There are steep sections where I could wipe out, but it's a good test only four hours from home to answer some burning questions about the CDT. Did I just push too hard? Was it bad luck? Can I go back? When I told my mother I was planning a trial backpack trip, she said to me, you're unstoppable. (laughs) You're listening to the Blissful Hiker podcast, I'm Allison Young, the blissful hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Thanks to Lecky, Trekking Poles, and Bolega Socks for their support. Also, Summit Orthopedics, my choice for two total hip replacements. I guess you could call me bionic bliss these days. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. The geology of Minnesota's north shore of Lake Superior is over a billion years old, some of the oldest rock on the Earth's surface. Granites of the Laurentian Shield form parts of the middle of the forest. Basalts and rhyolates form the Sawtooth Mountains and shore. And this rockiness makes it steep, with sudden, astounding views looking out for miles on boreal forest. Moose, black bear, deer, migratory birds, a few wolves, and the usual chipmunks and squirrels call this vast area of birch, aspen, pine, fir, and cedar home. And today, thru-hikers, backpackers, walkers, and tourists use the 310-mile trail free of charge thanks to a smart and hard-working group of volunteers who began building the trail in the mid-80s. It passes through national forest, private land, and seven state parks, characterized by waterfalls that empty thousands of glacial lakes in spectacular fashion into the big lake. I choose a random spot to hit the trail at Cascade State Park near Grand Marais. There's a parking lot right along the highway. Richard walks me to the first falls view of a massive smoothed out oval in rhyolite with just a small spigot of water rushing down. 
my first sign of this stubborn drought we're going through. He kisses me several times and once more for good luck, and then I power up the spur to the main trail, stopping often for plump raspberries and juicy thimbleberries, crushing between my pinched fingers, causing me to lick off the juice. I slow down and remind myself how perfect this hike is, since I have no real destination, just taking each day as it comes. Several groups play in the small pools, fishing and posing for pictures. The sky is gray and the wind is up, perfect for hiking, even if a bit humid. Aspen quake in the breeze, and birch peel back to reveal a meaty and vulnerable pink. Alder and ash thrive in the marshy areas, where wooden walkways in various states of disrepair lean and twist in the path. My first uphill hits one false summit after another, before opening to a lookout, a tower of rock the best picture spot. A man brings a laptop and two stuffed animals here for inspiration as he works on a short story. Several day hikers pass, plus a loud family with six children, all wearing backpacks. I'm pretty happy they're going the other way. I use the loo at the top with a view and follow the ridge as the trail meanders up and down, opening to more stunning views of low, tree-covered mountains. The sky is just overcast, and the smoke, thankfully, has blown away. Tiny yellow-throated vireos cheep as they flit from tree to tree. A chickadee chirrups. I take breaks at each campsite, sitting on a rock bench and ensuring I'm getting liquids and calories. The streams are low, though the water moves in miniature falls. I'm mesmerized by the silence. It's just wind, birds, water, and my breathing. A month ago, I broke the silence constantly calling for bears, and it takes time for me to get used to the quiet and unlikely possibility that a bear will lumber past. Only a squirrel hisses and scolds, while one chipmunk peeps out at me before disappearing through a hole. Sun peeks out and filters through the green leaves. Goldenrod and fireweed grow higher than me. The trail suddenly goes steeply up, and I slow to keep control of my breath. When it crests, I immediately go down, then up again, staying in the forest with no views but giant fungal shelves clinging to tree trunks. I reach a road, passing benches in a semicircle looking out on a lake. It's only a mile until Lake Agnes, where I thought I might camp, though it's far too early. I meet two young men and share beta on the campsites that I've passed. It's warm, so I head up to a bald on rock for another snack, looking down on the pretty lake, a massive beaver house placed next to a peninsula carpeted tightly in pine trees. I'm feeling stronger as I move on, up and down through forest, mostly maple now, and a place that I visited many years ago at the peak of autumn. And that time, the color was so brilliant the air took on a golden glow. I pass a backpacker who tells me there are tents in both sites on the Poplar River. Gosh, I was sort of hoping to be alone, and I wonder if I should plan to push further. It's only five o'clock. The river is wide here and more of a pond, with lily pads and grasses. A group at the first site yells out, Hi! Their tents and hammocks taking over. 
They seem pretty nice and tell me I'm welcome, but that the next site is only ten minutes ahead. Well, why not check it out? It appears that it was a beaver dam that stilled the water, and further on it gurgles and babbles, and I like that sound, like a lullaby. There is a tent here, and I hear two people at the water. I take off my pack and sit down and look at my map. Soon, a young boy walks up with a fishing rod. Catch anything, I ask him? Just small stuff. A woman in braids follows him, and I ask about the next site. They tell me it's fine, but it's not near water. Julie is a soil scientist at the U and has been hiking with Felix every year on the Superior Hiking Trail since he was seven, adding a little bit more each year. I set up the alley coop, too, change my shirt, get my cold soak going, and head to the river to filter water. The three of us connect right away, sharing stories about hiking, outward bound, unusual encounters, and how much we love being on this gorgeous trail right here in our state. I make my buffalo pasta salad, which makes them laugh because it uses six packages of mayonnaise. And then we sit on the wooden benches, interrupting each other, laughing and making this one of the best nights I've had on trail in a long while. All that stuff about wanting to be alone is completely forgotten. I read a piece in the New York Times about getting old, and one idea really stuck with me. The author writes, People have the potential to see possibility instead of problems. Aging itself can be a catalyst for rich new experiences, offering a way to renew passions and reinvent oneself. At one point in our conversation, Julie said something that revealed her age. Felix responded that her being born in the 70s made her really old. And then I enlighten him with my age, coming into this world in the final weeks of 1964. I'm not really old, but I'm pretty seasoned. I have to be careful where I place my feet. I did roll my ankle once and fell down on my knee today. My walking sticks just couldn't catch me. Perhaps in Montana, my heart went wild because too many things just stacked up. I can handle a lot, but not everything coming at me at once. I walked well today, and I was strong the entire day. I made sure I took breaks, I took pictures, I ate and I drank. That fear and trauma-induced stress, it's lifting, and I'm connecting again with this thing that I love so much, to hike. Perhaps I can set rules and boundaries that work for me, and I can still do the walking within those bounds. It's 8.30, and we're all tucked into our tents. The river is singing, and a few creatures peep every now and then. Richard's giant sleeping bag covers me like a blanket, and I'm ready to sleep and dream about what I'll see and who I'll meet tomorrow. And the best news of all? My heart is happy. You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts, and do leave a review on Apple to help the show get discovered. Blissful Hiker is on Patreon right now. You can find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. Blissfulhiker.com is also where you can find other episodes, you can read the blog, you can see lots of pictures, and you can contact me, blissfulhiker.com. Next week, it's a little more of the Superior Hiking Trail and rekindling my love of backpacking within my limits. But let me tell you something. 
I put in a 25-mile day. I don't think I'm that limited. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails.